here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. So, you the wizard? No, he is. <laughs> <laughs> this guy? I don't get it. Is he like a poster child for someone? <laughs> for your information, butthead. He's headed for the video championships in Los Angeles. Oh. Is that right? Well, let's just see how good he is then. Guys? Pick any game you want. I'm good at all of them. I have 97 of them. You know all 97 of them? Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we take a look at video game films and see if we can find the, the dignified parts of them. We are at the, the last of our next five film stretch of video game related or inspired films. I am here as always, Nick Moore, joined by Wayne Brissett and Mark Athenis, as well as Chris Nijedlik. Wayne. Thanks for having me, as always. Mark. Hey, welcome back. And Chris. Don't call it a comeback. I had water in my basement. Fair enough. <laughs> Deja vu. Read into that as you will. Uh, we are here to discuss The Wizard, and you may not know, but we are discussing it again because technical difficulties astound. There is conspiracy afoot. People don't want to know that video games can have good things in them and someone is trying to stop us from on above, but we will discuss the good things in them. We are a safe haven for video game films and a hot spot for technical difficulty. It's what we are. The Wizard is a 1989 film with Fred Savage. It is a coming-of-age road trip story about a young boy and his brother and their half-brother who wants to go to California for reasons that we'll get into and partially to take part in a video game tournament. It is a really simple concept that is way more complicated than it needs to be once you get into the details and... <laughs> For a film that's supposed to be for kids, uh, I don't know if it is, but we will <laughs> yeah. start in, I, I'm pretty sure we talked with Wayne first last time. Let's start with Mark first this time. Well, it's an interesting movie. I'll say this and then we can kind of go around the horn. It's simply the most elaborate, longest commercial you'll ever see in your life. But somewhere in there is a little bit of fun, a little bit of nostalgia, some weird, creepy things that I think are happening and some... And ambivalent questions that you will never know the answer to, but that again also seem shady in terms of the world uh, that these characters inhabit. But other than that, you know what? Maybe bring the kids, maybe don't. I don't know. It's weird. Fair enough. Chris, how about yourself being the second film that you've been willing? Oh, no, second, third. God, I've lost track. You're part of the void now. Third, 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 I believe. third <laughs> film that you've set with us on. That's right. Ready Player One, you were, Two, you were with us, been, but... Yes. <laughs> Two difficulties with That him. one doesn't count now for you. Yes. <laughs> What's the common denominator here? Well... So, how was the third one that you've successfully stayed with us on for a podcast? I'm, I'm going to be honest and upfront with you guys. Uh, this is the first time I've actually seen this movie. Get out. I don't know if it was just... <laughs> I just, you know, the stars never aligned when it was in theaters. You know, friends that I wanted to see it with weren't available or vice versa. That's crazy. Um, and then in, you know, Blockbuster, maybe it was always out. Because don't get me wrong, <laughs> I wanted to soak in all the NES goodness, but I've never seen it. So this is quite literally in my 29 plus years on this earth. Hmm. Uh, this is the first time <laughs> I've seen it. So uh, I'm going to say, you know what? I really, really, really enjoyed this. I don't think I would have as a child. I'm going to leave that there. I okay. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm going to call it Stallone's Over the Top with a little bit of NES sprinkled in. <laughs> Over the Top is an excellent film, so that bodes well. Any of you who enjoyed Over the Top, watch this. Any of you who didn't, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. I concur. Wayne. <laughs> 
how did you i'm pretty sure we know how you feel about this i'm pretty sure you own this and have a yeah. fred savage from this film tattooed on your lower back but please no, tell us your the, thoughts it's on my butt not my lower back oh, but geez. left cheek no I, you know what? it's it's a good film i liked it then i like it now both for different reasons um you know i was 12 years old when this film came out uh, so i was the prime target audience for this uh, I was a big Nintendo kid. I still am a big Nintendo kid, but back then that was my hobby. That's what I did. So I was so pumped to see a movie that had video games in it, um, especially all Nintendo related. So at the time when I was a kid, I was watching this like, I don't care about the story. I just want to see the games. And there's a surprisingly depressing story behind <laughs> the fact that I want to see these games. Um, as an adult, I approach the story a lot differently. But kind of to touch on what Chris was saying, like, you know, one of the... Th- the reasons you know all four of us are here talking about stuff like this is is our common love for games and our common love for film that that's what yes that's why we're we bonded as friends right we all have such a um a love and passion for for both and for chris i've known him the longest of the three of you well i'm mark and chris but the same for him to not have seen it as a kid that blows me away when you say you wouldn't like it as a kid i i don't know <laughs> like you liked games just as much as us so you might have enjoyed just seeing double dragon on the screen not really caring about the story but uh, anyway I'm, I'm rambling on it, it's it's a solid flick both as a kid and an adult for different reasons well and it's funny that you mentioned that maybe you would or would not have enjoyed it more as a kid i have seen it as a kid and i've watched mm-hmm. it now and i enjoyed it as a kid but there was a lot of it that was frankly lost on me mm-hmm. and that was the more complex human drama things in it not that mm-hmm. i was you know stupid or naive as a kid but yeah you just kind of pay a little bit less attention maybe when there isn't something flashy on the screen and mm-hmm. watching it now as an adult oh boy this is this is smallest violin playing. This is really sad yeah. story. This is unreal. Mm-hmm. If it didn't have the stars behind it that it did, if this wasn't, if you took Mario and all the video game stuff out of it, it's a lifetime movie of the week. It is really depressing stuff. It's designed <laughs> to make you cry. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who has not seen this, again, to try and simplify the setup, you have two families that apparently had had gotten together. On one family, you have Bo Bridges, who's the father, and his two sons, Christian Slater and Fred Savage. And he had hooked up with a woman who had twins, a brother and a sister. And only the brother is left because the sister has died in a drowning accident. Bear in mind, these twins are, what, six, seven, eight at the time? <laughs> Something yeah, like that? At, most. at the time, yeah. They were, they, they were really small, like five, six. Yeah. This has put the the remaining sibling out of the twins into not quite a catatonic state, but something that would resemble an autistic state. He is severely traumatized. All of this has happened before we start the movie. This is backstory <laughs> that will be fed to you through sad exchanges and tense moments. This that, is the video game goodness we couldn't wait to see right, as a kid. <laughs> peppered in between all these video game things and this fun crisscrossy story is a mother who's willing to have her new what boyfriend husband talk her into yeah you should totally leave the surviving member of the twins at a home for the mentally unstable because hey he's he's wandering out of the house and it's too much for us to deal with yeah he's a pain in the ass <laughs> like, mm, basically the, he's the, a pain the opening shot of this film is just the surviving sibling the young boy i think jimmy wood is his name walking along the the highway of the desert on his own with a little lunchbox in his hand and there is no town in either direction so god knows how long he has wandered how long it took for them to notice he was gone mm-hmm. and eventually a sheriff just rolls up and and hey jimmy maybe you want to get in the car and not get scooped up by worse things the the, the funny part about that is when he pulls up beside him he's like yeah that's him like right there's a there's kids wandering around all the time we're like oh okay no we got the right one this time well, yeah. is if it not, that this has happened more than once, walk. or is it, look for my son, he'll be the one staring blankly ahead, gripping a small lunchbox? I'm assuming that this happens This happens with some regularity. <laughs> yeah. That's At why which they had point, to verify it was him. Maybe put a lock on his door? <laughs> maybe? Yeah. It's the kid walking the earth like Kwai Chang Kane. It's amazing. Pretty much. Like, <laughs> is it not that different from someone who sleepwalks? Maybe put a lock on the door or something. Maybe not put him into a home. Oh, no. I go full institution. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but they, they do establish how easy it is to get out of some of these places that do have security, I would think. So maybe well, nothing it's, can it's, help. Maybe it's, it's 80s easy. security. 
to what Mark is saying. It's eighty yeah, security. It is none. Yeah. Well, yeah. either way, you transition from that to the it's plot security. Yes. You transition from that by the plot. <laughs> to Fred Savage and his half of the family where they're fighting over how things went with that relationship. And now Christian Slater is drinking and stealing the car. And the father has that god awful casserole he's trying to like feed them with. Mm. And Fred Savage gets the idea. I think his name is Corey in this. Yes, Corey. Oh, whatever. Sure. I just call him the actor's names. Fred Savage decides mm. it's time to break out my, my half brother as soon as he hears he's being thrown in. Let's just use the kind of terms they're using a mental asylum, a loony bin, because they're not really kind to the kid about how they describe him. He's gone through a traumatic incident and they just call him crazy, stupid. uh, What was it? A few decks, uh, a few cards, bricks short of a deck space case, like space case. Yeah, this is not a culturally or politically kind film to this kid. And it's everyone. No one's nice to this kid. They've all seemed to have forgotten. Oh, that's right. He saw his twin sister drown. There's no sympathy for this young man. You think the parents would remember that? (laughs) You would think. You'd like to think that. that. Hey, he might be scarred from this. Right. Yeah. you know, we were, that's why we split up, so he might be more (laughs) sad. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But either way. Fred Savage decides I'm going to break him out. And I thought going in that that would be an elaborate thing that he'd have to pose as someone, you know, try and con maybe the person behind the counter or sneak in undercover at night. He shows up broad daylight, wanders through the place with no security stopping him. And before he finds his brother, there's a couple of other creepy kids in there that he comes across. No one seems right there. They're all just staring at him blankly and then just, oh, good, I found you. It's time to go. California. Yeah, that's where we're going. Yeah. Walks and walks out. not much of a breakout. No. Walks and walks out, man. Steals a truck and drives away, which. Well, technically, they jump into the back of a truck. (laughs) (laughs) They don't steal it. They jump into the back of it. Well, okay, fine. Yeah. And then eat. I don't know how many hostess Twinkies or hostess bars, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The Wonder Years kid jumping into the Wonder Bread truck with all the hostess. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They they sneak onto it like a couple of vagrants sneaking onto like a, a runaway train. And that starts their journey for however long it lasts. But he's got how much was he had? Like 27 bucks in his wallet. Yep. Yeah. He did not plan this out. 27. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or, yeah. or we are seriously underestimating the value of $27 back in the 1980s because. That sounds like a lot of money back then, especially to a kid. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like a lot of money until he tries to buy a bus ticket. And the bus ticket is more than all of his money. <laughs> right? But that's when you have the the first... I think video that's the first games. time you really see a video game show up in this. Yep, 16 yeah. minutes. Right. 16 minutes in. And again, not that we're <laughs> counting. It's it's an entertaining enough movie on its own. We're counting. Jesus. We're counting. <laughs> <laughs> but they come across a double dragon arcade machine and i've been thinking about it and <laughs> is it a double dragon arcade machine or is it the play choice 10? i know you'd mentioned before way in like the the nes coined ones where it's the nes game yeah it's the play play choice 10 yeah i wasn't sure if they were doing that or legitimately doing double dragon the arcade because one I, didn't look like the <laughs> arcade one maybe i'm wrong yeah, yeah i mean it it could have been the original one. There's lots of times where they'd swap out, like if a game broke or whatever, they would just put a board into another right. arcade unit. I've seen but either way. That's where you find out that his yeah. half brother has Rain Man qualities with video games because in 60 seconds he has a score of 50,000 points on that game. Yeah, yes, impossible. But Any yes, judgment calls on the believability of this? It's impossible. There, this is the beginning of the video game <laughs> errors in this film. <laughs> I and in guys, it's so for me, just calling back to what I said originally, had I seen it as a kid, would I have been as appreciative as I am now? I don't think so. And the reason being that it's only it's 16 minutes and we're finally getting our first whiff of, you know, the movie that was touted as the Mario 3 movie, the NES movie. And, you know, Double Dragon flashes on the screen for six seconds. He gets 50,000, which back then we would have cried bullshit. To the heavens, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. right? 
Yeah, I did credits rolling. Yeah. Yeah, and and then there's no video. Like I I think that's and and that's maybe maybe I wasn't clear enough, but um I think that's where I I the don't payoffs at the end. Right. The the big payoff is at the end where you do see a lot and you do see some secrets, and I know we'll get to that. But I think had I been eleven, ten and a half, eleven, whenever when that came out, I think it would have been just let down by you know maybe my naivete and this isn't a video game movie this is a story masquerading as you know <laughs> yeah fair sure fair. Mm-hmm. no absolutely now quick question uh wayne specifically did you get any ptsd when double dragon came up on the screen yeah i did actually <laughs> it was terrifying just made me hate the movie even more i'd like to point out <laughs> that by showing the intro to double dragon this movie has a more accurate representation of the plot than the that's, movie double dragon that's a good point i never even thought about <laughs> that's that true the whole plot of double dragons contained in a five second clip in this movie <laughs> it's more of a double dragon yeah. movie than the double dragon movie <laughs> than double dragon yeah more recognizable but, anyway for the record i do love that it does show the actual double dragon intro that was amazing yeah 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 <laughs> You know, it's funny though. There's a um, AVGN episode where he where he actually reviews the wizard, and he mentions this double double dragon part, where you know the the writers and the directors they forget that the kids are the experts, right? Like yep. like Chris said, fifty thousand. That's bullshit, right? We're the experts. Yeah. We know right off the bat. They were just throwing arbitrary numbers and just showing clips just here and there. They didn't. It was all about the other story they were trying to tell. They sure. Were just they were paid to market the rest of the stuff <laughs> you know well, what though, considering... I gotta... go ahead go ahead mark yeah I, I, I just gotta say like the other story what's interesting about this movie is that the other story it's kind of like I, i'm not sure which of the two things are an afterthought i don't know if the <laughs> video games and him playing in that tournament at the end is the afterthought or the other story is and the movie never really strikes that balance to like make me feel like one is more important than the other. And that's probably because I'm older. Um, and again, I never, I, this was my first time seeing it too. Um, so it's probably because I'm older and when the other more serious things have any screen time at all, I'm like, that sounds like a lot is happening there. Um, maybe that's important. And then it's immediately back to the, uh, the color of money with this kid hustling through video games. <laughs> um, and I'm asking all kinds of questions about what adults <laughs> were ponying up the necessary money to fund this kid. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm never again, really sure. The other thing is it's essentially two movies competing within itself, not even in terms of a video game movie and this human drama. You have two literal stories happening in terms of a human drama. <laughs> you have the Fred Savage and his half-brother trekking across America to California in video game Armageddon, and you have Christian Slater and Bo Bridges having a planes, trains, and automobiles adventure while they get to know each other as they pursue Fred yeah. Savage and his half brother. Yeah. And the, don't forget the stalking bounty hunter and the apparently abandoned little girl they find. So yeah, right. So then you have a completely different drama on top of it. I mean, that's your your villain chasing them. So of course you'll have cutting back to your villain, but you have two legitimate conflicts because even Bo Bridges and Christian Slater. They're constantly fighting with the bounty hunter every time they come after him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And to catch the audience uh, who has not seen up to speed, the, the mother and the, I guess, stepdad of the, the half-brother. Stepdad. Yeah. They've hired the sleaziest human you can. Just picture the sleaziest <laughs> 80s guy you can. Slick back hair, bolo Texan tie. His clothes just look a little bit greasy. He looks like he's the reason his clothes are greasy. This guy has been hired to bring back... Uh, Jimmy Wood and he literally says at one point I make my money off of kids don't think you can stop me to <laughs> Bob Bridges character yeah, this dude's father. gross to the, to the father, father he says that right? <laughs> he, said, he threatens the, the dad of Fred Savage going look you try and stop me I'll, I'll do things to you I don't care if you're going after your own son and your half son I make my money off of kids that's <laughs> wrong man <laughs> yeah it, it's weird. It's unsettling. It's weird. And he has other creepier scenes. And, and like the the if we're talking about his creep factor, and again, the inclusion of this in the movie genuinely had me pausing and creeped out was again the scene between him and this young 12-year-old actress, and where he's you know trying to apprehend them and she screams, he touched my boob. And I was just like, I'm not sure 
like how to process <laughs> this this little nugget in the story of like pedophilia like i don't know yeah if that's that's a cool inclusion we're just kind of tossing in because he starts making comments like she has no boobs like what if she did would it have been okay then like what are you saying <laughs> this is so weird right now and it just makes his character way way it's like over the top creepy over the top yeah it's creepy enough whether or not he does anything in that scene it's still yeah. <laughs> we know that he doesn't touch her and she's saying that to draw attention to him so that they can escape but it also doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility <laughs> Agreed. No. You know what? But it no. did like to what to what Mark was saying that that creep factor. Uh, I find putting myself into the shoes of somebody watching it at that time in the eighties when you know it was the sleazy. He was a pretty good quintessential eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, sabotaging oh, yeah. and threatening and and you know sticking knives in tires and and then being kind of cowardly and sleazy but getting away with it. Like it was the guy, the, yeah. the villain that you love to hate. So I think he did a pretty oh, good yeah. job. Mm-hmm. Oh no! No, no disrespect to the actor. He was good. He yeah. was a really good yeah. '80s villain for a kids' film. The character is unpleasant. The actor's amazing. Yeah, yeah. the character didn't age well. <laughs> well, and <laughs> no. that's the thing I actually really want to give this film credit for. Like ignoring all the other plot contrivances in the melodrama, for what this film is, the performances are pretty solid across the board. Agree. Right. Like yeah. all of the relationships have the right kind of chemistry they feel believable like christian slater feels like he makes sense as the brother to fred savage and the son to bull bridges in this when they're having their getting to know each other kind of drive across country to go rescue fred savage the tension that's there and the the slow build-up i've i don't even want to call it friendship because i get it's a father and son but that connection feels like it logically starts to make sense. Like mm-hmm. there's some good performances in this. Like a rekindling. And Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Fred Savage has legitimate charisma. He really does. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's, I don't know if it's necessarily anything he could have kind of built upon, or if he just has that one kind of role, like it's like the rock only plays the rock. I don't know if Fred Savage only plays Fred Savage, <laughs> but he does have that charisma you look for in a lead actor. It's yeah. just I don't know if he had much more to contribute because he, he does feel the same as everything else I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're in Austin Powers. I happen to like that kind of character. Like he's, you know, he's sure. he's not uh, he's not annoying. Is is you know as many kids kid actors could be, mm-hmm. or if that's their shtick is being who they are. At least his shtick isn't annoying. And you know, I'd watch him in the Wonder Years. I'd watch him in this. He he was great. Mm-hmm. He has a sincerity to him where he doesn't feel like a goody two shoes, but he's also not. Like some edgy, look how badass I am kid. He just feels like a normal kid. Yeah. But he has enough mm-hmm. charisma to kind of wiggle his way out of a bad situation now and then. Yeah. So he's pretty likable. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy watching him. I, everything that I've seen him in, I enjoy. Mm-hmm. The only character that at first rubbed me the wrong way in terms of believability is the girl they come across. Uh, when they're at the, the train station because yeah. all of the dialogue that she says sounds like it was written from somebody in the 1930s she sounds like a she sounds like Lois Lane was written in the 1930s <laughs> like she may as well be calling them you mugs and you know listen here see but it's all a front and once you realize that and once she starts to act a little bit more natural around them then she's great but the first meeting with her I was like oh boy she is rough <laughs> I think that's where she says yeah. that he's a few bricks short of a uh, like a few a uh, few bricks short or something along those lines. But I think it was a couple mm-hmm. cars short of the deck. Yeah, when she's referring to Jimmy, because everybody decides to take a shot at the the mentally troubled child because that's the place we're in right now. In front of him. It's always directly in front of him. Right. <laughs> but as soon as they realize they can make money off of him, and of course by they I mean her, and she lets Fred Savage in on it, of you need money, well let's just use him to start hustling people that's how they're going to travel across America now. And I don't know how much hustling happened on video game arcade machines when when it was in the 80s. I don't remember a whole lot of this. I wasn't trying to pull, as you said, the color of money on people with games of Street Fighter. I just remember but, putting a quarter up that I'm the next player. That's right. It. That's it. But that's it. They're betting money against like 50 year old car salespeople. And they bet against a couple of really wicked, mean teenagers that come back to bite them later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But apparently there's big money in it because they go from the 
$27 in his pocket to a few hundred dollars before they even hit Vegas. Mm-hmm. And yeah. along what I might yeah. say is a really cool road trip. I don't know. And this is harkens back to what I said about over the top Stallone's over the top. I mean, it's Stallone traveling with his estranged kid, but it's, it's, a, it hits a lot of the same beats. It's got that bright eighties vibe. It's got a rock and soundtrack. Mm-hmm. They, they show a lot of the road, the journey itself. I just, I got this over the top for kids vibe from oh, yeah. it. I don't know, with a little bit of like a, you know, Spielbergian, the, the, the kids are saving the day sort of, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was really cool road movie. Mm-hmm. This definitely touches on a few of those things. Like if you were going to, if you took planes, trains and automobiles, the color of money and over the top and threw them and into Rain a blender and Rain Man, and tried to like, <laughs> Filter it down so that it'd be palatable for a 12-year-old. Yeah. This is the movie that would come out, yeah. which sounds a like a really weird endorsement. Mm-hmm. But somehow those pieces do connect together and they work. They shouldn't when you say that out loud. None no. of those films should cross together. But because the characters feel kind of believable and because they interact with each other in a way that at least the characters that were supposed to like interact in a way that makes sense because the only characters that don't make sense is jimmy wood's mother yeah yeah right and the stepdad they make no sense throughout this entire movie everyone else i can at least understand the motivations the stepdad is your 80s stepdad right so it's the (laughs) 80s jerk stepdad the the business jerk. i don't know what he does for a living yeah but we don't know what he does for a living but he looks like a businessman he's got no time for nothing and yeah. he has the complete 180 at the end where he's suddenly proud of the kid for no reason. At first, it almost seems like he's going to be the bad guy. It does. Right? It feels like and he's going to be yeah, that intro. I, I was like, oh, okay, he's the bad guy. But the closest we get to a villain is the bounty hunter. And even then, I mean, all of his greasiness and uncomfortableness aside, his main goal is get Jimmy Wood back to his mother so I can get paid. He has no evil designs on the kid. It's you're a paycheck. So technically they're not really in any danger from him other than Jimmy just ending back in the mental home, at which point Fred Savage would just break him out for a sequel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just walk in. It's easy. Yeah. Well, there is another villain the kid's villain. Right. Sure. And that's the closest Where the you get first to commercial shows up. Yep. That's the, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. The extended preview. Of the power glove. <laughs> the first commercial for the power Lucas, glove. The very it, it 80s evil child. The rich kid. Lucas. He's essentially yeah. Richie Rich in this movie. That's how he comes across. He owns oh, like, yeah. what was it? All 96 Nintendo games he owns, or he owns something. 96 games. He knows them all. Yeah. Yeah. Knows them all and can play them with a power glove. It was 97. That is impressive. Like I, think it was, said. Yeah. I think it was 97. 97, yeah. And he knows them all. Did he gain one over the course of the movie? <laughs> but back in the day, like <laughs> I own that. I, I own that same black pleathery case with the gold latch that held about 10 or 15 games so when he opened that up i was like man that like it took me forever to fill that case and this this guy's got 97 <laughs> of them but he only carries those yeah. 10 to 15 around i had that case yeah. too i remember boy the wave of nostalgia i can i can remember the smell cracking open that yeah. case and it had the little um it was the nintendo logo on the bottom right but it was just brass um, and yeah. I remember that smell. And I think it held what? I don't know, Mark, Wayne, Nick, if you guys remember. It was like 10 or 15 games. 10 or 15. Maybe 20. I think the max it held for me was the three that I owned, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, when I saw that case, I was like, holy smokes, that that hit me. Uh, that was that was an unexpected, tiniest detail that is like, I had that. <laughs> I had a two-stage case that could hold 30, and we filled one shelf between me and my brother. Nice. Wow. So, Jealous. Yeah. No one ever filled theirs. That's why this kid seems like Richie Rich, because oh, he I, can yeah. fill it. And has a power glove, which nobody had. I had one friend that had one. Everyone had a Nintendo. Had nobody had a power glove. I did. I had I it. Okay, that. you did. <laughs> I, and and, and, and we used it more for our movie props than we actually did yeah. for gaming. Yeah, because it it's doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's notorious for not working the first time i tried it was with mike tyson's punch out obviously and i remember you couldn't even beat glass joe and i'm like come on like anybody could beat glass joe playing first time yeah you might get hit a couple times learning the game but you're gonna beat glass joe not with the power anyone today who complains about whether or not their vr is accurate if they try and use it anyone who complains that you know like the wii or whatever it was didn't have accurate controls pick up a power glove and you will praise how far (laughs) we've come oh yeah 
I know. I, I think it's unreal. What was the, when, when the Wii Remote Plus came? It, it touted one true one to one movement. I think the Power Glove yeah. was rated as one to eighty six movement. <laughs> 97. <laughs> one to 97. One to 97. One to 97, yeah. Only one game worked, and apparently it was what? Ridge Racer? Rad because Racer. When he goes, Racer. Rad Racer. When he goes to play that, he's moving his hand like it's a steering wheel, and he's doing awesome, apparently. <laughs> but, well, I, that's the irony, though. He's not doing awesome. He's still smashing into cars. He's, trying, he's having a hard time. Everyone acts like he's doing awesome. That's yeah. the best part. You look at the screen, he's smashing into stuff, and everyone else is looking at it like, oh my god, how, how are we going to beat him? I'm like, what do you mean pick up a controller yeah that, that it was lucky at that time because everybody was just more blown away by what the hell he was using rather than what was happening on the screen well, you know what it is actually i think we're all looking at it wrong this is actually a deeper understanding of games than we're all expecting everyone there in that room understands the power glove is garbage and can't control anything so the fact that he's playing it even semi well means he must be a god with a controller that was an intimidation move and that's why jimmy wood sees it and runs out of there because like man that's like someone beating me playing street fighter when they're using their feet instead of their hands on the controller that's what he was doing he even says it's so bad i buy it because it's so bad you see he wasn't being ironic there he's like the power glove it's so bad yeah i don't think that was Anyway, I, I took uh, it as Michael Jackson you know, bad. Slang. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was Michael Jackson bad. I think it was so bad. Oh, <laughs> well, bad. I'm choosing to view it that way from now on because that makes him way more intimidating as a villain. They I should took do it like the way a, Chris took it. My bad. But now yeah. I like this version better with the power glove. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I, I thought world building. I thought it was Michael Jackson world bad, building. but I'm alas, I'm wrong. No <laughs> intimidation. Look how bad this glove is. Now watch me use it amazingly. <laughs> That's right. That's bad, what it was. But he's making but even it even he doesn't come across as a threat of a villain. The he's only just cocky. Threat, yeah. He's a threat to them losing Video Armageddon, the $50,000 video game championship that's happening, which... Like nowadays, you have like the Capcom Cup is like a thirty-five thousand dollar grand prize. So fifty thousand for a Nintendo game. Oh, what yeah. is that in today's money? And how is every kid in the world not there? <laughs> and this is the eighties. That was like a million dollars. That happened right because like tw- <laughs> fifty he left 000? the house for a road trip of twenty-seven, and he was like shocked that that wasn't enough. Fifty thousand. Yeah. They're going to retire. This is amazing. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like that is crazy <laughs> money. Yeah. So it. At least it understands why everyone's kind of clamoring for it. But you have the, was it two or three kids they hustle, the angry teenagers that then later find them, chase them down with a truck, and then proceed to beat the crap out of them until they give them a wad of money and knock open the lunch bag or lunch pail. And that's where we find out what's been inside it this whole time. And who wants to cover the next bit of sadness? Who wants to explain to the audience at home what's been in the lunch pail that poor traumatized Jimmy Woods been carrying around this whole time. Let me go get my Kleenex oh, box. I, I, uh, okay. I, Chris, I'll, Chris I, you got this. Well, Chris, no, you do it. Somebody else can, can, but I just want to say what, <laughs> nope, what hit me, me, what hit me in the feels was the whole crux of this movie is this lunch pail. The, the entire yeah. driving force of California, California. He doesn't even want to go to California. And Nick, stop me. I don't want to jump ahead. No, go ahead. We go all over the place here. I just, the Sonora fact. Three's in the end of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The warp whistle. The warp whistle. <laughs> but. I, or, or Mark, back me up. The the fact that the entire movie hinges on this lunch pail, which which Nick, like you said, the opening shot is that that long force perspective of him, co- you know, coming over the highway, you know, with the, the the heat waves coming off, and he's carrying what you assume to be his lunch pail, or maybe you know a few toys, or it's a Nintendo movie, a so maybe, maybe a, a controller or a snack or or something like that. Wonder Bread, right? Yeah, Wonder Bread. Right. But the fact that it's it's the belongings of his dead twin sister, one of her baby shoes, the photos mm-hmm. of them as a family. Memories. It's the it's literally yeah, mementos. memories. Mementos, exactly. Mementos of her is now that I'm a father and, and I mean I, I will say at this point we watched it with uh, my seven well she's she's eight at the end of May. Um, so basically eight year old daughter and she gave it thumbs up, but the fact that I watched it with her, uh, really drove home that, that point of, I mean, she's an only child, but I'm, I'm pretty empathetic 
and the fact that this kid, all he wanted to do was, what was it? It was a road trip on the way to California when the family was still a complete unit. It was a unit. road trip to a dinosaur exhibit. Yeah. It was a dinosaur, dinosaur exhibit. exhibit on the way to California. Yeah, they, they stopped they incidentally, right? Or I thought it was yep. uh, it was on the way. They just incidentally stopped. It was stopped. on the way to California. Yeah, and, and I guess that's where some of these pictures were taken. But he wanted to, you can go into the dinosaurs and, and kind of like go up them. And each one is a museum inside. But the fact that he wanted to take that case and leave that in one of the dinosaurs as a kind of a, uh, you know, a resting place or, or uh, I, I don't know, not an effigy, but well, it's a, a it's memorial. A it's like a memorial. It's a memorial. A memorial. Because he, he wanted to leave her the, one of the few last places she was happy before she died. Like that is, yeah, right. That's okay. heavy, heavy, again, heavy, heavy film. stuff. <laughs> that, yes. Heavy stuff. That again, because, because it's a kid's film, they don't dive all the way into the emotion of that moment. But when you're sitting back and looking at it, you're like, that's actually Deep. like tear jerkingly sad. Like that's yeah. really tragic. It is. Sad. Yes. And you find out what's in it when a bunch of kids are beating the crap out of them to take yeah. back the money they hustled from them. And that's what spills out of it. He's like, oh, the money's inside the lunchbox. And that's in there. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. punch to the gut for the audience. Well, that's when I saw her, the little mm-hmm. white, the, the, the fancy boot. baby shoe, white boot. right? The boot that I was like, oh man, that's what he's been carrying all mm-hmm. this, all these times when the cops have come to pick him up and oh yeah, we got him. Here he mm-hmm. is. All those times. That's what he's had. Not food for himself, not video games. You know, it, it was his, his sister's, uh, mementos yeah and that's the moment where i at least maybe for me in the movie where he, he he transitions from being a kid you thought was on the spectrum to trauma absolutely it's, it's sad <laughs> so sad so yeah like there's a lot of there's a lot of depressing revelations that come up during this so we're gonna we're gonna skip past that for a moment and go back to the fun exciting things on the road trip like the bonding between the the Fred Savage character and his half-brother and this girl that has joined up with them. And there's some fun moments. What was it, a car park that they sleep out in one night, uh, in one night there? Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. I think it was like a trash yard or a car park, but they, they found a car that they can hang out yeah. in. It's like a fully furnished bunk in there. Were they yeah. squatting in if someone's place? If I'm not place? mistaken... I'm pretty sure it was the junkyard from uh, Dan Aykroyd's Nothing But Trouble. Could be. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Only junkyard I know from a film is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I'm hoping it wasn't that one. Superman <laughs> 4? Oh, right. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Superman oh, 3, 3 also had oh, one, so maybe three. it's that oh, one. 3, where he fights some strange. Which rank, with which the had the best junkyard? <laughs> I'm voting Superman 3. Movie's underrated. Superman 3, for sure. <laughs> Nothing but trouble. <laughs> but you have bonding moments like that between them. You have when you find out, God, we're already going back to sad things. When you find out that her big home <laughs> she keeps talking about. You can't escape the sadness in this film. No. She it's talks everywhere. about the big home that she has and her dad's waiting for her. And it's a tr- it's a trailer park. Not even trailer. It's a trailer home. It's one mobile home out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In the desert. In the desert. Because her father left. And as far as I could tell, never came back. And her mother gambled all of the money away as a Vegas showgirl. So I assume also left and never came back. She's just been abandoned. So I'm pretty sure she's an orphan. Sorry, everybody. We're back to sad stuff. (laughs) My God. I just need to clean up. She's not an orphan. They're alive. She's just abandoned. (laughs) But it does explain that tough exterior that she's created. Sega. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you at least have some bonding moments there where you've got Jimmy stacking things off in the corner because that's what he does when he's not playing video games is just relentlessly stack things for a plot point that never comes to fruition. Nothing comes of the yeah. stacking. His sister didn't stack things. The resting place at the end isn't like a a car park of things that are all stacked together. He doesn't play Tetris in the final like video game thing. There is no logical explanation for the, I think I counted like four times that he's stacking stuff so that he can mentally cope, yeah. which yeah. I don't know if that's a commendation of the film that they just go, Hey, this is a way he would cope. Or if it's an indictment of you had a plot point and you clearly dropped some of it, but not all of it. I don't know which one happened. Maybe the payoff. Maybe the payoff was for the sequel, The Sorcerer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Or the kid actor was just bored on set between takes or building things. They're like, let's make it a part of the movie. Like, I don't know. 
Maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe. But either I way, I think it's like when Matthew McConaughey, like when when McConaughey drives, he's got to like roll his boogers in his thumb and forefinger. <laughs> How much do you think those sell for in the open market? <laughs> More than a copy of The Wizard, nineteen eighty nine. But either way, you have some good bonding moments between them, and it's cut in between with. As I'd mentioned, pretty good bonding moments between Christian Slater and Bo Bridges, where they bond over a Nintendo that they can inexplicably hook up no matter where they go. Yes. They bring an NES machine with them, and it doesn't matter. Except after the third location, they right. won't be It doesn't matter up. where they show up, what kind of TV they have. It doesn't matter if they bring all the cables with them or not. This Nintendo they have with them is magical. It works everywhere. Let's let's pour one out for the uh, the abandoned RF adapter in the in the junkyard. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where the father plays up all night playing Ninja Turtles. And the first time, the first time they put the cartridge in, they don't push it down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the little <laughs> things we notice yeah, when we're or kids. Blow on it. What they can't be playing that. They didn't push yeah, it down. They didn't blow on it either. Liars. Now, yeah. In all fairness, though, <laughs> no blowing. Come on. Is that not maybe the single most relatable moment in the film? for how we were as kids where he got sucked into a game and kept playing it to a point where his son fell asleep and then woke up and he's still playing. Yes. How many times have you been playing? And then everyone else in the house has gone to bed and woken up and you're still on that machine. Uh, I remember. I do that. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I remember. (laughs) I um, cannot do that uh, anymore. Not, not as much this year with the baby, but one of my fondest memories was uh, getting super Mario Kart, And I distinctly remember we had a TV room with the Nintendo in it. And I rolled up a towel to block the light from the bottom of the door. <laughs> See, I remember that. My, my distinct memory is a, a sleepover with a couple of my buddies, and we didn't sleep. We locked ourselves in a room, eating Cheetos and farting, playing video games all night. Just nerd sweat, like four, four like preteen kids, just nerd sweating it out. When his mom opened the door in the morning, she was just like, what happened in here? Why does it smell so oh, yeah. awful? And we were just like, my mom does that. Uh, did that every morning to my room. Yeah, oh, that must have been like cracking the seal to an old Egyptian emperor. Oh, it was. Yeah, it wasn't good. It yeah, wasn't good air. Curse. Yeah, yeah, wasn't good air in there. Not but it's good cool. Air at all. You know what? It, I like that because that that I it, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I'm pretty sure they did a cool little thing where Christian Slater starts playing it, and his dad says, "Oh, it's yeah. a waste," and you can hear the Ninja Turtles music that we all know and love, and then oh, yeah. when it cut, like it 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 cuts. I can't when recall. It's the morning. It's the when it's the morning when it does the morning cut. Yeah. The music, the music, was was constant, but it, it pans out, and it's the dad now playing with yep. you know yeah. amazing video yeah. game movie logic, oh, yeah. right? Where yeah. it's like he's <laughs> tapping on keys of a keyboard. But it, that Make was cool. That all you want, I play like that. <laughs> yeah, I've never. I've. I always laugh when I see people do that just I've, I've never understood it when you're driving games you're turning the controller you play better that's how okay I, i've always that's been why very, you do it. just see you play better the only just time i get still. like that are in those moments where things aren't going your way and you start to move your mm-hmm. body like it will help you that's throwing a controller that's completely different <laughs> no but that's the <laughs> moment before you throw it the moment before you throw it you're like come on dog why didn't you dodge back you know like that's what happens I still think we should do, you know, once once this series is said and done, we should do a compilation of the best scenes of adults playing video games in TV and movies. <laughs> because, you know, friends, Chandler and Joey playing Crash Team Racing on PS1, and they're hammering both, you know, the, the D-pad side and the button side. I'm like, what are you guys doing? It's just... <laughs> Guaranteed, there's a YouTube video of it on it somewhere showing all these things to mash together, and it's probably on the same playlist of a YouTube video of every hacker scene you've ever seen mm-hmm. where they're furiously slamming on the key and the camera's panning around them, and nobody hacks like that. It's it, it all reminds very me boring of, and mundane. It reminds me of those old movies where <laughs> when, when people are driving in a car and they just got a screen moving in the back, everybody has yeah. to do the wild. Oh, yeah. the Even though they're driving straight, yeah. their hands are completely on the wheel going yep. left and right, shaking it all over but it's like that, you're driving that's not straight. how you drive like, <laughs> no and Nick, not only when i'm trying to hit someone it's not called <laughs> hacking it's called sword fishing sword fish sword yeah. fishing. <laughs> no no sword fishing is when you have a really good opening ruined by the rest of a movie ah. that's sword fishing ah, it's yes. like cat fishing but with a film that's, that's right. what sword yeah. fishing is and much less hugh jackman yes sadly that also comes with less holly berry mm. well mm. fair 
but it would come with less Travolta. So, I mean, there's mm. there's pros and cons here. Not a fan, yeah. Ah, it depends what it is. Strangely enough, one of my favorite ones is him and Christian Slater, Broken Arrow. See? Mm. Christian Slater. Maybe that's the competent on AA. And there's mm. your segue back to the wizard. There we <laughs> go. We bring ourselves back to the wizard. There yes. we are. So, the only thing we really haven't covered up to this point is the, the competition itself. Mm. The sheer insanity that is video game Armageddon at Universal Studios. Starting with, and at this point, this you talked about plot contrivance earlier. What kind of plot contrivance brings not only Fred Savage and his half-brother and this girl they've come across, as well as Bo Bridges and Christian Slater, to the theme park at the same time as the bounty hunter, who's been not just mm-hmm. like popping the tires on their cars, but at one point had their car towed away and stripped and they still made it there at the same time. Plus the mother and the stepdad also make it there at the same time when they had hired a bounty hunter to go look for him. How did they all figure out where he's going to be and make it there at the same time within like what an hour of each other? How is this possible? And this is Amazing. before cell phones. It's before cell phones. So it's a thing. That's hard. Yeah. Absurd. Just absurd. I just want to say, I'm really thankful for where the finale took place. I love that you kind of got like a back lot tour of Universal Studios. You got to see the King Kong ride. Um, You got to see the workings of that. I, you know what? I know um, Mark and Wayne were saying, you know, um, this is a, this is a paid commercial, this movie, but man, where I think they really dropped the ball is that back lot chase could have taken you through a little bit more of the stuff that you know yeah. we don't really get to than see just the king kong ride yeah, yeah. because man yeah. had they jumped over to the next ride and the next ride i don't know what was that universal at the time but we like watching my daughter's eyes when she saw the kong and then you could see that it was just you know half of him and and the 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 fire the bars or the flame all. bars the animatronics mm-hmm. the flame bars yep. you got to you got to see a little bit of the magic behind the magic and man, you're in Universal Studios. I know they have to get to the uh, the video Armageddon and play Ninja Gaiden at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> man, you know, Universal should have stepped in and say, "Hey, show a little bit more of our stuff," because that was such a cool. You yeah. got kids. Yeah. In, you know, kids are leading the sleazy adult on the chase through. Holy smokes, my jaw would have been on the floor the whole time being those kids. Like this was just the coolest yeah. setting ever. And I just man, man, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. And this is two movies now where we've had to watch the main character go underneath King Kong. Yeah. Yes, that is true. I look forward to King Kong's many future appearances. <laughs> Can't wait to how see how he shows up in yeah. Mortal Kombat. But this is about we'll see. the third or, f- or fourth movie where there is a genuine celebration of video game playing, like people gathering to watch people play a video game. And a lot of that happened before, like these movies that we're talking about, that these things are happening in, they're like before YouTube, they're before streamers, before Twitch. So it's like, they were were visionaries thinking, people are just gonna wanna watch people play video games. But at the time, if you were a kid in the 80s, I'm like, I don't remember anything other than maybe your buddy cheering you on. group of strangers being yeah, like this is amazing yeah, that little hick town we didn't know about all these big time events uh, down in the states yeah. half the games didn't even get released up here like we didn't even get crazy. the crowd the last starfighter behind us cheering let no. alone this nonsense yeah. no. <laughs> one guy your buddy right yeah. but here and you weren't even cheering for your buddy thousands. you were going against your buddy yeah it is a crowd of thousands competing for fifty thousand dollars maybe that's why there wasn't more people at our houses because we didn't have fifty thousand dollars to throw around fair. these guys can afford the most overacting gate attended sign-in guy i've ever seen with we're gonna play ninja gaiden as you say and all these other things ninja and he's gaiden. just over announcing and overemphasizing everything this man is ramped up so true. and the entire elaborateness of this in this whole competition i think they spent fifty thousand dollars just constructing it it is wild yeah. you have this massive stage they can see thousands in there it is these i don't know if it's mul- what was it multiple television screens lined up for each person's like mm-hmm. game since they didn't really have big mm-hmm. screens like that so it's the whole like you line up 80 and they're all showing a piece of the image and it creates yeah. your gigantic video that you're playing yeah it was impressive. Like even now I'm looking at going, that's an extravaganza, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. that's where they lead from the, the universal tour chase into the, the background of that, because Jimmy's on the run from again, the, I don't want to say evil, but the antagonist bounty hunter that's chasing him. And 
on the one hand, I do want to see more of that behind the scenes stuff. On the other hand, they're already stretching credibility of you're supposed to in a in any sort of a theme park ride. You're supposed to sit still and enjoy the show. And they are climbing over patrons <laughs> and going behind the scenes and like no security, no police. Even the guy who's running is just like, and don't mind the people there who are clearly punching each other and pushing and screaming. Mm-hmm. Like he seems to be not really calling for help. Well, he seems annoyed that they're interrupting him, but he's not stopping. Them. Well, the movie establishes pretty early that there are no authorities because a the police. Well, there are. They just don't need. No, but there's, there's no security in this the film. The police at all. aren't looking for Jimmy. <laughs> they hire a bounty hunter, and then when they're having like roller derby or with their or you know bumper cars in the street with their real vehicles, the only person who seems to care at all is the guy who's sitting on his porch watching them crash into each other the cops don't show up oh yeah nobody tries to stop them. when you've got the the dad and the bounty hunter yeah. slamming vehicles into each other having dueling banjos with their cars no cops are called yeah, no. one hick dude is watching them with sheer amusement the only presence of the police in the entire film is the one cop at the beginning yep. who picks up jimmy and says yeah you probably shouldn't be wandering on your own after that the cops do nothing about any sort of property damage about people's cars getting stolen and stripped down about children going missing. Like it, there's no, there's cops. no law. There's no, no, cops. there's no law, no, no security, no, not authority. even the kind of cops that show up in eighties movies at the end to like, after the day is saved cops don't even show up at the end. Nope. Jimmy Wood saves the day with the power of love. Cause he's so good at video games that everyone's hearts grow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's hearts grow enough they're like oh we're, we're just happy for jimmy including the bounty hunter who's now cheering jimmy on yeah <laughs> he spent an entire movie furious with these kids he's been decked out by a trucker because of them his car is totaled because of them i don't think he's getting paid Definitely. but jimmy's winning a video game so let's cheer everybody let's yeah. also not forget he's probably got child molestation charges against him but yeah, pending he probably has charges mm-hmm. coming Definitely pending right like it's it's pretty weird yeah but we've we've skipped it long enough super mario brothers 3 for those of us who did watch this how big a deal was it that this game was being premiered in this movie jaw dropping absolutely unreal right and now you watch it and go this isn't accurate (laughs) (laughs) and what the hell kind of scoring system are they using oh the scoring they have so for the audience at home You have three finalists. Lucas, of course, our 80s bad boy kid. You have Jimmy Wood and Random Girl. Should have been disqualified. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Random Girl to round out the three of them. And while they're playing Super Mario Bros. 3, a separate screen is showing their points with a knight in front of like this growing bar to represent who's winning the Super Mario Bros. race, I guess. A knight in full armor. Nothing. Nothing they're doing on the game makes any sense for how they're getting points. When someone dies in the game, the knight stumbles backwards, but you don't lose points for dying in Mario. And the points on the knights don't match the points on their screen. Right. Should be like, Jimmy Woods, 12,000 points, but then you see his video and he's only got like 250 points. You're like, what are they scoring here? Right. (laughs) And Jimmy finds the whistle, which is amazing. The warp whistle, being able to to see where that is, is the first official secret Nintendo (laughs) gave to us poor peasants who had to pay for Nintendo Power and the Nintendo Hotline. They show it in a movie, so I guess you still had to pay for it. And he gets a bunch of points when he uses it. You, you get no points for using it. You just warp <laughs> forward. <laughs> I, I don't understand anything for how the scoring works no. other than we're just going to choose who we like. It's like the Gryffindor thing where they're behind Slytherin. So let's just give them a bunch of points to put them in the lead. It feels like the judges want Jimmy to win. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. So PR op, autistic kid wins video game competition. Yeah, yeah. It does not feel earned. Which makes him a cheater because he's not autistic. He's just traumatized. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorry, now I'm calling him a space case and I apologize. Yeah. That is wrong. Yeah, easy. You, you brought it up, but we did glance over it was when they do contact the Nintendo hotline. Oh, God. So that's kind of a cool little that's moment. Fun, yeah, scene. Like Very cool. Uh, some nostalgic waves and yeah. all the games being played. And I remember magazine articles about nintendo but i never called it because it was too expensive right rake up your parents bill well and that's the thing it costs money to call the nintendo hotline and i know Mm -hmm. that the the girl had teamed up with one of her as far as i can tell 
mentally deficient trucker friends. Like he doesn't seem all there, but she's using him to to bet on things at Vegas so they can get a bunch of money and then gives him what ten dollars for all of his trouble yeah. when they get thrown and out. And he's happy about it, yeah. yeah. But let's let's assume yeah. that she got a few grand out of that. It can't be more than fifty or they wouldn't even do the competition. Let's assume she's got a couple grand. I don't even five grand. No. That's what it was. Was it five grand? I don't know. I think I thought it was say five thousand. I thought it was five screw. I thought it was five hundred. <laughs> might be wrong. All right, so I think it was a couple hundred. So if it's five hundred dollars, that's got to be maybe I'm going to say an hour's worth of the Nintendo Hotline. So it's like (laughs) four bucks a minute. (laughs) That's going to burn up quick. Yeah, yeah. But you have a montage of Jimmy learning to play all the games, her talking to the Nintendo Hotline dude while she's taking notes, and this guy is into it. They're always getting this one guy on the hotline. Mm -hmm. He's got books laid out all in front of him. His hat's on backwards. He's flipping through like he's part of the team now. I think they burned through the entire (laughs) $50,000 on a voucher. And they're just clearing it with Nintendo afterwards. And they're in a poolside, like, hotel <laughs> in Disneyland right. or whatever. Like, How yeah. did they book that oh, room? They're children. I know. No questions asked. I would pay money. My God, I would pay untold sums for those binders that the Nintendo Power rep <laughs> was using to, to like, like an encyclopedia of every game. I would kill for those. Yeah. Yeah, back then. Now you just go on any game FAQ page. That's why I, I genuinely loved about it. Yeah. Yeah. Question for all three of you. Assuming you could, back in the day, you could have had one free call to the Nintendo hotline. What game would you have called in about? Oh, oh that's a good one. Simon's quest. Probably Contra. Uh, I was going to say, I'll go first, but Chris just stole it. It's Simon's quest. Simon's quest. Same thing. Absolutely. Great. I love the game. I, I really yeah. do, but it's, might have been. It's unpolished in a way where, man, it's so cryptic that you needed that extra Might have help. been yeah. Contra for I me. I love the idea of the game. Sorry, what was yours, Mark? I was going to say it might have been Contra for me because I always played it with my buddy and we always got to a point where we were like, I can't beat this thing. It was like someone, someone would die and you share <laughs> the lives. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> now, for myself, it had to be the Immortal for the NES. Ooh, if you played it, too. that was an intentionally <laughs> obtuse game to figure out. Yeah, it was crazy. You had buddy Victor bought that one too. Some and I was like, ridiculous man, puzzles crazy. on top of the combat, and man, some of them just made no sense. <laughs> I that game was rough. Not not yeah, an NES game, but the one. hardest puzzle game I've ever witnessed a human being play, much less beat, was Alundra. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that, Wayne? I, beat I know that. you're the only person <laughs> I know that's beat that game. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. I love that game. That was a great game. <laughs> you walk into a room, solve a puzzle. There are no clues. Just four statues figure it out like there's no clues oh. <laughs> it's amazing well like they had game. nintendo power or nintendo hotline to rely off of god knows how much money she spent of whoever's money i don't know if they paid for it or charged it to the hotel room or whatever they did mm. but either way money well spent clearly well spent because of course jimmy wins the competition because why wouldn't he it's an 80s movie and it has to end with your heart in the right place so not only does he win, but everyone is siding with him now and everyone's all happy and we can all stop making fun of him because all of you need to stop saying terrible things about Jimmy and let him grieve. And then after all that excitement, they, your they finish it by they ripping your heart back out again. Yes, with the with the dinosaur <laughs> memorial place. And maybe a mild kidnapping of that little girl. They might have kidnapped her at the end. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Well, she might be again. Again, abandoned. we've established She's that abandoned. her it's parents okay seem to 80s. have abandoned her. So I think at this point, they're just taking her in. Yeah. She seems quite content with them. We're all good. We all move on. And really, considering some of the other things that happen in this story, anyone else who's gone near them seems to be bad news. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything seems to be a sad story. So if we're going to find one family that's willing to take her in and be happy, sure, let's just rest on that. Yeah. But I don't understand how this family never could have worked to this point where they'd be having any sort of reconciliation until this dramatic nonsense with him going cross country happens because they, they mend fences pretty quickly after all this drama. So (laughs) how couldn't, how couldn't they just fix this sooner, man? What's wrong with these people? (laughs) That's a, that's a loaded question. I don't know the answer. Well, the dad's reaction is pretty heartfelt. Bo Bridges, when he sees Jimmy put the memento or the keepsake box. Sure. Yeah. Right. So maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was all the 80s kick in the pants that they needed for everybody to come around. Yeah. Maybe. But either way, you have a 
you know, we'll uh, we'll talk about the arrangements later and they kind of leave it off so the audience doesn't have to think too hard about it, but they've they've all made up and you've got the the credits roll and it's a nice happy feeling at the end. It's for all the sadness it Ish. ends on a happy <laughs> note, which I appreciated because man, this movie's not kind to any of its characters until the last 10 minutes. Yeah. So at least everyone feels like they're kind of let off with the hook at the end and, and they all get to breathe a bit easier. There's some closure, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, the only other two things I want to point out has nothing to do with any of the story, but when they drive by the random car that's up on mechanical spider legs, that's amazing. And that's I wish I cool. owned it and I want to know how that thing moves. It would just look awesome. I know mm-hmm. it would move like a spider, but still I, I want the spider car. Just watch, uh, so cool. just watch Wild, Wild, Wild West. I'm sure you'll figure out how it moves. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> this is a much better movie. I'm yes. just going to picture in my head how it <laughs> works. And as I'd mentioned to you guys before, just for anyone, again, who's sensitive to these things when you watch this, I've mentioned before that Jimmy is picked on by all the characters in the film. He's also picked on by the crew who made this movie uh, because one of the sponsors of the film <laughs> is a skateboard clothing company called Psychovision. <laughs> and all of the kids are wearing clothes made by Psychovision. But Jimmy is the only one wearing a shirt that has their logo in gigantic letters on his chest during the last competition. So the kid who is seen as a space case and suffering through trauma is wearing a shirt that says Psychovision. Kids a psycho. Yeah. That is not appropriate. But that's his power. He uses that to win video games. Psychovision. Yeah. Yeah. He's not bison. Yeah, <laughs> Psycho Vision. I just picture Psycho Mantis when you had a save file of Sukoden and you you play Metal Gear and he's like, oh, oh I you see. like Nintendo yeah. games, don't see you? You like Sukoden, <laughs> like that's all I can. Picture. Yeah, you like Castlevania. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Is there anything that any of you guys want to bring up before we bring this to a close? Anything that you thought was really cool and stand out? I feel like we've covered it all. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, for me, it's just it's just a good nostalgia wave. Uh, like I collect Nintendo games still, mainly NES and Super Nintendo. But this movie feels a part of that collection, even though it's not a game in itself. It just captures that twelve year old me, and it's it's a nice place in my heart for this movie. That's fair, Mark. Chris, anything else to contribute? No, I'm good. Like really, for me, the one of the weirder nostalgia aha moments is the fact that. They were so almost ahead of the time, these these video game movies that show people just wanting to be a part of the video game culture and sharing it on and, and having large fan base, almost paying service to the fan base of saying like, you know what, we all know your fans. We know your fans. This movie is about your fans, your fans of Nintendo. We're, we're here yeah, selling you things, but we also appreciate you as fans. And here's a big, major, extravagant event that I've never heard of in my life and never got to attend. But if it did, I'd want to go as a kid. And it's just so cool to me that they were almost ahead of their times. Cause like now between Twitch and other streaming things, like there, there are kids who, who have careers. Like, you know, we were born too late. Like had we been born now, we would be <laughs> professional COD players or something, you know, League of legends, whatever we could get our hands on. And we try to make a career out of it. born in the wrong generation. Yeah, man. <laughs> For me, um, I, I think, and, and Mark brought up a good point because I never really looked at it that way is, you know, this this movie kind of not glorifies, but it, it shows that watching these people play video games is kind of cool. But for me, this was this was different. Again, it's the first time I've seen it. I, I got the nostalgia waves from the tone of the movie, the setting, the vibe, the, the road trip. But it was a new experience for me because I, I didn't I didn't know the story. I just knew that. I knew this as the movie that showed Nintendo games and that premiered Mario 3 gameplay. So to me, that that was a big deal back then. For whatever reason, I didn't see it. Watching it now, it, it's cool. It, it, I, I can feel nostalgia even though I never saw it. <laughs> it does have a nostalgic yeah. feel to it, right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of 80s films well do said. for some strange reason. I, even if you've never seen it, there's a vibe to them where you feel like you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. I recommend this film... I think it's a good movie. Agreed. It is overly dramatic, especially Agreed. with how dark they try to make everyone's depressing backstory. It feels like a dueling banjos of sad stories, mm-hmm. but it does have a cathartic ending to it. And it's got a lot of cool video game references and it's just fun. It's, it's a fun movie for what it is. So I do recommend that you check it out. If but you're listening to this podcast, then you probably then you like should the same be things. watching this movie. Well, then you, then you like the same things we do, right? If, if you're still hanging around, which means you should check it out if you haven't. And if you haven't, 
it's before like when Chris said he's never seen it before that kind of shocked me so I guess there's more people that are like us that have never seen it before that's cool if you watch only one video game film this year make sure it's this and not Assassin's Creed there you go save you a lot of trouble or Double Dragon Dragon. no watch Double Dragon or Double Dragon (laughs) we will bring this to a close we thank you again for joining us on Press X to Reload I have been Nick Moore with me as always, Double Dragon is whispering there. in the background, chanting his love for I'm not it. Not saying anything. Is Wayne Brissett. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Laughing, giggling at the ridiculousness is Mark Athanas. Have a good one. And pondering whether or not he should ever join us again is Chris Najedlik. I think I swallowed a bug. I'm still picturing the Matthew we'll McConaughey booger California booger, booger twirl. That's all I can picture <laughs> right now. Have a good one. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athanas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore, with special guest Chris Nijadlik. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email. RetroGamingFool at gmail.com Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.